Welcome to Diana Perkovic's Monday Momentum in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Monday Moment in 5 podcast. I'm your host, Diana Perkovic. We are fresh back off of our summer book series, and I'm fresh back from Cancun, Mexico. Took a week off for a change, which was really, really nice. As a matter of fact, I have a brand new video for GGM TV coming your way from Cancun in about a week or so. But today, our guest comes all the way from Greece. She is the head of marketing at Behavioral signals, which is an AI company. And yes, we will be asking her about artificial intelligence today. She is also the co-founder and producer at Tech Talk Central, which is a web radio platform that interviews technologists, scientists, and researchers broadcasting live from within tech events. She's been active with startups, some of which she founded herself, like Emermag, a fashion magazine, Tease Me, a mobile retail platform. The list goes on, and she is a strong supporter of the startup ecosystem in Greece. She has been a helping member of Girl Geek Dinners, has co-organized Media Camp in 2011. She began strategy initiative, calling upon six other entrepreneurs as co-founders in the hope of motivating people to start their own ventures. I know a lot of you who listen are in that space. You're starting your own venture. You will absolutely love Vicky. As you can see, she is an accomplished and versatile woman, one who I thought would be perfect for Good Girl Mafia. Vicky is considered a connector. She is a firm believer in serendipity. She believes strongly that you learn at every step of the developing process even from failures, and that's where we're going to begin today with Vicky with the failures. Vicky Kolovu, welcome to the Good Girl Mafia podcast. I'm delighted to have you here all the way from Greece. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a, it's a great opportunity, and I do love the name, by the way. Thank you really? very much. Thank you very much. I get that a lot. People are like, that's a great name because it's a little bit of an oxymoron, but I think we get the point as women. It is. It's, it's good. It's good. Well, I would love to start with the dreaded failure. Good Girl Mafia wants to help reframe the narrative around failure for women. And I think it is in reality, Vicki, and I think you'll agree, an unavoidable step on the ladder to any success accomplishing any kind of goal. And as an entrepreneur, you've undoubtedly met with failure. What do you see as your biggest failure so far and how did it change you? Uh, it's a great question. <laughs> um, so I, I can't say one failure was more important than the other one. Some hurt more compared to others. So we fail every day. Okay, you fail when you don't accomplish a good recipe and it comes out really horrible. Uh, do you shed a tear? Probably not. I So I've also failed with my startups, the ones I went through, um, my team's... You, the usual, the usual thing that happens with startups, it's always a matter of a team. So uh, when our team failed to work together and take us to the next step, we're, for example, in one of them, we were really close to getting funding and the whole team fell apart um, for different reasons. doesn't really matter why. Mm-hmm. I really felt, felt, felt really bad. So I sort of closed myself in the office for about three days I didn't want to talk to anybody. I thought I was a big failure because I didn't manage to keep my team together and, you know, um, make this go ahead. And then, you know, 
I thought that that was bad. I'm not going to do any startup again. I'm not going to do any business. I'm not going to work in this field. And so one day, uh, this friend of mine, he's, I was talking to him. I said, you know, I'm a failure. I didn't keep my team together. It's like, and meanwhile, I had started again, sort of trying to work with my startup, get it back on its feet, do a few things, look around, see what could happen. And he says, you haven't understood it correctly. When investors talk about strong teams, they want people like you that can lead the car, that can be at the front and sort of push on no matter what. So you need to find people like you to, or sort of like you, you know, persistent, who can put up with any obstacle, who are not willing to abandon just because a fight happened. So, but I learned with every failure. So I don't really distinguish one compared to another. I've sort of um, been accepting with failures. It's like, you know, it happens. It's the same with my divorce. I got divorced. I thought about it as a failure. It happens to people. You need to pick up yourself and just move on. And of course, learn from it and try to avoid making the same mistakes. And I think that that's part of reframing the discussion in our own minds, right? I mean, thinking, exactly. re- and, and I love I love how you put it. You try a recipe and it doesn't really go anywhere. You don't cry over it, right? It's like, ah, it happens, no big deal. And I think that is part of the reframing of the term failure, it really is a step in another direction. Is is there a time, Vicky? I I had uh, Oprah's executive producer Sherry Salata on the show. Um, she was Oprah's producer for twenty years, and her book was called The Beautiful No. And it really started a theme that I've noticed with my podcast guests, where a no or a perceived failure, there was a direct line to something really great happening. Because of it, is is there? Do you see that trajectory with any one particular quote unquote I, failure you've had? I couldn't agree more. All my failures led to something better. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I I can't tell if it was something you know, um, like a death or something very permanent. But in all my cases, whether it was divorce, whether it was my startups failing or businesses at time it always led to something new and better. Um, So in my opinion, I always believe in change. So change, it can be forceful, but failure before it change. So um, you can take a decide because your marriage has failed or your business to move on, but maybe other people take that decision and you have to move on. So moving on means a change. Just give it time is my opinion. You can't fix everything the next day. You need to give it time. Uh, collect all the knowledge, think it through, don't dwell too much, and then just pick up from something new. That All that information is within you. All that knowledge is up in your head. You will use it somehow, and you will know to predict. You will learn to predict when something is going wrong and try to avoid it in the future, especially in your business. You will learn new ways to negotiate with your team. You will learn new ways to pick the right people and not just somebody who's a good friend and would probably look good for your business, but probably isn't. So you, you learn all these new things that you can use. And um, so failure, yeah, means change and learning new stuff. So I don't see it something bad. If you haven't failed, it's like a perfect pencil. I saw this very nice example recently. So there was a picture of a very sharpened 
beautiful looking long pencil compared to a very blunt short pencil and it said you look great when you don't do anything (laughs) so it's the same thing okay you become blunt in your life things happen to you failure is one of them but you do something with it you're not looking perfect just not doing anything so just do it right who cares I agree I agree. And you know, I've, one thing I've come to terms with and something that's presented itself in my, in my life is every time you quote unquote start over, you're not starting over. You're actually higher up and further along than you were when you started. And you have so much more wisdom yeah. and experience. And so you're never really quote unquote starting from scratch. It, you're never left with nothing. And everything is connected. I find that in my life, everything's connected. So I studied initially, uh, I'm a food chemist. So that was my studies. It never worked out, didn't find work. So I did just, I said, okay, what else can I learn? So computers was the new big thing. This is the eighties. Um, so I find a job working in a magazine that has to do with woodworking. Okay, completely irrelevant. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, that gave me the opportunity to actually learn hands-on graphics. So I am a graphic designer. I can create anything when I want it for my customers or for whomever I'm working with. And that, so I gained new knowledge. I couldn't do what I studied, but I learned something new. I worked in a field where they were all men and I was the only woman. And even our clients were all uh, woodworkers. Everybody, especially in Greece, it had to do, it was all about males. Um, so that taught me a lot of things also. And then just going one thing after the other, and you've collected all this information, even from failures, and you use it. It's simple. It, it isn't starting over. It's continuing to the next big thing in your life. I agree. Conti- listen to that, ladies. Continuing to the next big, big thing in your life. You just talked about getting into computers in the 80s. I can't imagine. You're a woman in a digital world. And from starting your own businesses and platforms, um, you're incredibly accomplished in the digital space. And starting in the 80s, I wonder how often have you felt or did you feel like you were cracking away at sort of this real or perceived glass ceiling? So, you know, glass ceiling. So I don't know, how, I've heard two different ways that people see it. Mm-hmm. So is it a glass ceiling where there's men on top and we have to break through that or is other people who are more accomplished than us and we have to break through that? So you, in my opinion, my mantra is, keep on learning, gather as much knowledge as you can. It can be in any kind of field. Um, I love history, for example, and I read a lot about it. Um, I I read a lot about archeology. span So all this information doesn't matter what interests you, I don't care, somehow it will help you in your life. I decided to go into computers because I actually, my first husband, um, he was my boyfriend. I really liked him. He was into computers. I decided to learn what he knew. <laughs> it's, simple. it's simple. So our first, actually, when we went out, we actually went to a computer store because this was all the rage back then. Right. And I actually bought my first Amstrad, um, my first computer. I bought it there. And I did it because I wanted to look good in his eyes. Wow. So, and, then, and then it just stuck. Yeah, it was, I started learning how to use it. Then I got a job, as I said, that I need to know how to use a computer. Turned out good for me. And then 
one thing brought the other and was like, then we didn't have the internet. So I'm, I'm 51 years old now. So we didn't have um, internet when we were studying at school mm -hmm. in Australia. Um, so the biggest thing like you would get in Australia when it came to knowledge was the library, something that does not exist in, in schools here in Greece. And when I did come you know, here in Greece, there's no library and there's no way easy to find knowledge. And then the internet, you got the internet. And this is an amazing thing that most people don't understand, but we got in very early and we, every day was fascinating. And yeah, so we were early adopters and that really helped. I bet. And that, is, that is a good way, find a good suggestion uh, for, for the audience. Find something that your friends are really not into and look around and see if you can get into that. It's probably a job at the end. Great advice. Great advice. Mm -hmm. And and speaking of, you know, getting into things that not too many people are into yet, you are currently the head of marketing at Behavioral Signals, which is an artificial intelligence company. And I, Vicki, I'm fascinated, fascinated. Tell me about Behavioral Signals and the initiatives that you're working on right now, like give us a bird's eye view, pull that curtain back, because not too many people know too much about artificial intelligence. Okay, so artificial intelligence, first of all, to make it really simple for people is nothing too complicated. So it's, it's a form of technology that tries to copy what human beings can do. They just do it faster and 24 seven. So it could be, reading text, for example, the same way we read text, um, our computers can now read text and understand or create transcripts or create comments or pick up keywords, do different things with text um, easily and they can do it 24 seven much faster than us. So I could create a program, an artificial pro intelligent program and tell it to read through all of the big encyclopedia with, I don't know, 40 books on it, and it'll do it like in a, I don't know, 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, humans can't do that. So imagine if I had to say to it, okay, I need you to find me all the instances of the word um, oranges being mentioned in all these 40 books. It will do that in a few seconds. If I ask that human to do that, it would take them a year or two years, three years. Right. Okay. So that's why artificial intelligence is changing our lives and how we live. It's doing tedious jobs that really have no meaning for humans to do faster and faster. That allows us to come then and really take advantage of this. So you got all the data and instead of having a human go through the 40 books, you say, let a machine do it. And then comes, what are you going to do with it? So we're humans are trying to think of better ways to take advantage of this capability. So a fast machine that can do tedious jobs much faster than us or better than us uh, without getting tired. And how do we take advantage of that? So behavioral signals um, is into emotion recognition and behavioral prediction from voice. Okay. Wow. So when you're listening to me talk right now, humans have the ability to understand the words, what I'm saying, but so you can understand my tone. You can understand whether I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm engaged, or I'm, I don't know, want to get out of here. So this is a way that 
we can, our brains uh, are capable of doing this. What we are trying to do is program computers to uh, do the same, basically. Why would we need that? For different reasons. So think about um, how many calls happen um, around the world. We're talking about millions of conversations happening over the telephone, okay? So some of them, for some reasons, like banks, when they're calling you for your mortgage or something, or your credit cards or something, and then they're recording a conversation, we already know that, but they have, sorry, they have no way to analyze that really fast. And you cannot put a human to listen to all these calls. Imagine right now there's about 1% that is being monitored by super uh, supervisors to understand what is being said. Everything else is just being stored sure. and nobody's analyzing mm -hmm. the conversation. So what we can do is we can come in and listen to all these interesting conversations and gather insights. It could be from a conference call. It could be from a meeting. It could be... Um, when you're when you're using, for example, an application that is voice enabled and is monitoring your health, let's say you have you have a chronic illness and um, like cancer, for example, and uh, the hospital has given you an application to so you can monitor you instead of you calling the doctor all the time and saying I don't feel well, you probably or I'm I'm really sick today or I'm I'm down I'm stressed or whatever. Um, usually we've discovered that uh, humans and patients have a difficult time sort of calling the doctor all the time. They don't feel it's com they don't feel comfortable, yeah. and obviously the doctor has other things to do. But what about if you could talk to an application, a virtual assistant that is on your phone, and say, like, uh, keep a record. I don't feel well today. I think I feel dizzy. And, you know, it records, keeps the data, and understands in your voice that you really are stressed or that you are really tired, and then notifies the doctor of what exactly is happening to you, like a report, a weekly report, or sends alerts that my patient is not well. You need to call in now. So it's an automated way um, to uh, listen into a lot of voice conversations and analyze what are the emotions, uh, what kind of, also we can predict behavior. We can we can tell different things that um, somebody something is going to happen in somebody's uh, in their life from basic things like um, yes, when they say they are going to pay their mortgage, they really mean it. They're going to pay their mortgage. But also when they're saying that I feel I have a fever, I feel very ill, I feel really bad. There's signals in there that show how serious this is. Um, and that could be useful for companies, for brands, for doctors, for, for anybody. It can make our lives better because, as you all know, our future is, it, it seems there's going to be a future where uh, we're aging. We might need a lot of uh, robots around us to help us, um, help our parents, for example, when they get old. Um, everybody wants to be independent. Everybody does not want, they don't want to care People want to be independent, live their lives, keep on doing, but they want somebody to watch over them. They want their doctor to know what's going on. They want their children to know what's going on. And this is a great way, like having a social robot that will remind them of the medicine, remind them, you know, keep right. an eye on them and do it all automatically. But you can't do that without empathy. Empathy and emotions and robots understanding humans, how they feel and interacting with them is really important. Um, that will make interaction with a machine, with a robot, it'll make it more natural, the way we are used to, how humans, humans interact. 
And this is what towards what we're working on. And it is fascinating, obviously. I, I'm, um, I, I'm totally fascinated. It, it sounds like the future is now. It sounds like something that you would see in a movie. It is mm-hmm. unbelievable that this is actually happening right now. It is. It is. There's a lot of work going on right now all over the world. Um, other people are working on facial emotions. We're working on voice emotions. Other working on the body. There's different things that when they all come together, mm-hmm. one day we will be ordering, we'll be going to the, I don't know, to the shop and just buying a social robot to take care of our, of our aged grandmother. And it will be able to do exactly what it's supposed to do. Empathize with our grandmother, understand her, keep us alerted at all times. And, you know, just, you know, really take care of her and not just be um, an answering machine. And for, for people who are hesitant or reticent to usher in this new era, I, is this just a simple thing of, well, things change and we progress and we move forward? I think so. I think there was it, the same pushback happens always with new technology. It happened with uh, smartphones. Everybody was used to the basic uh, old type phone. Um, it happened to mobile phones. Everybody was used to a landline. Um, it's going to change and it's going to come back around naturally. Um, I don't think we need to be afraid of it. Um, it's like the best way to know about it is to read and stay on top of it. So as I always say, go and read Wikipedia, what is artificial intelligence? It's nothing scary. Um, can it be used in a bad way? Yeah, so do guns. So do a lot of chemical stuff out there. They're used for good things, but they're also used for bad things. Um, it's, it's up to us how we use it. But I'm, I'm optimistic that um, a lot of companies now, especially with the pushback that is happening into how they're using our audio recordings, our data, I think there's going to be a lot of regulations that will come in the governments, the state usually is a little, always a little bit behind when it comes to technology. But they do catch up in the end. Mm-hmm. And regulations go in. Um, and also companies, the really big companies, the ones that are interested in, in, in surviving, um, they will have to be transparent when it comes to their data and how they deal with them. Yeah. So I'm optimistic. Obviously, there's always bad people who can use this for something uh something horrible but i think they prey on people who are not educated about it it's easier to fool somebody who doesn't know uh what it's all about compared to somebody who's aware so i always say just just you know instead of watching tv just close the damn thing and just go online there's so much information you can even do it on youtube if you don't want to read just go on youtube Go on YouTube and say, what is artificial intelligence? And that you'll get a hundred videos and you'll hear a lot of stuff. And don't just look at one video. Look at several so you can decide what's real and what's fake. And educate yourself at the end of the day. Educate yourself. And I is is this experience being one of very few women in AI sort of similar to back in the 80s when you were starting in computers? Uh, I don't think so. I actually think there's a lot of women in artificial, working in artificial intelligence companies. So artificial intelligence has this obstacle. 
uh, it's not easy to show. Okay, so people think artificial intelligence is synonymous with um, a robot. It isn't true. Uh, there can be, there's artificial intelligence when your Google map tells you where to turn, okay? Uh, it's monitoring how, you're moving, your, how your phone is moving in your car and a lot of other phones and telling you if there's traffic there and where you should, which route should you choose to go fast to wherever your destination is. It's happening in so minor things that it's very difficult to showcase. You can't go in, a, in an expo and say, okay, this is artificial intelligence. Have a look at it. You can't do that. It's, it's at the back. And actually, that was one of the reasons that we, we talked about AI, the winter of AI. So artificial intelligence started officially around 1956 uh, with the first um, applications that could do different things like play chess or have a conversation, They're really simple things. And in 1956, and it was actually um, funded by the Ministry of Defense in the US. And but because politicians cannot actually hold tangible, see something that would have this is gonna <laughs> help the US, so around in the 70s, they decided to withdraw funding. And it only started again in the late 80s, and that's when we sort of get new projects. And again, the US government decided to fund it. Uh, but it's not easy to shape, showcase uh, what it is. But I guarantee you, on your mobile, and in a lot of things that you use, it's there. Even how Netflix shows you um, which movies you want to watch. It's just simple things, you know. What do you usually watch? Um, what does it look like you really like? And it just suggests new things. That is, again, a, a simple form of AI. Right. So that's the algorithm everybody talks about. Exactly. It's a, a set usually of different algorithms. It's not one. And it gets complicated, more complicated. More proper terms in AI are machine learning, neural networks. Um, these are new things that are being developed. And uh, so when you're talking with a developer or a machine learning person and you say uh, AI, it's too, it's too broad and it doesn't make sense to them. It's just a whole sector. I don't know. I can't find any comparison right now. But it's like, it's like talking about cooking. Cooking, yeah, but there's so many things that you can be in cooking. So, got it, got it, yeah. got it. So it's cooking. You can cook with water. You can put water in a in a kettle. And, and you can like, bake, and you can fry, and you can barbecue, and you can do yeah, you know, saute, exactly. and all. Got it, got it. Yeah, different different cuisines and different countries, and so there's hundreds of stuff. It's the same with AI. It's sure. just a general term. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna turn to the fact that you are a first-generation Greek-Australian, and you grew up in Australia, and in the 80s, you, mo you moved to Greece after you completed high school in Sydney. I'm a first-generation Croatian-Canadian, which we talked about off the air, and I grew up with a lot of first-generation Greek-Canadians, and I swear my big, fat Greek wedding could have very easily been called my <laughs> big, fat Croatian wedding. Our cultures, our heritage, our values, our upbringings are rather quite similar. So I have to ask uh, you, has your how has your background contributed to your success? And conversely, were there mindsets 
mindset adjustments that you had to make. Like I can still hear my father, Vicky. I can hear him right now. Diana, you just got to get up and go to the work. It's going to it just go to the work. Like you just like everything is just work, 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 work all the time. So how, yeah. how have you found it a benefit? Like I know my work ethic comes from my Croatian heritage 100%. But then on the other hand, there are mindset adjustments I had to make as well. So first for you, Croatia and Greece belong to the same European peninsula. So we are in the Balkans, uh, for those that don't know. And we do have, we're, we're different to the rest of the West of Europe, as we call it. So here in Balkans, when we talk about the West, uh, we actually mean the Western part of Europe, which includes uh, countries like France and England and um, the Northern countries. So... I think I was affected, first of all, by just being the child of migrants. So for me, that is really important. I have, uh, I believe I'm more tolerant. Uh, I have learned a lot being between these two countries. I have learned from my parents' experience because they were not educated, they were not wealthy, and it was very difficult. So I saw their lives and I saw how difficult it was for them. My mom actually, um, I think we, I have her, um, she's also like work, work. She talks a lot about work. She never missed a day job. So for me and my brother, it was always the same thing. And now when you come to Greece, when we came to Greece, um, education in Europe and especially, and again, in the Balkans, because the Balkans are not so wealthy and all parents wanted the children to be better educated than themselves. That for them was the most important thing. And I think that is a treasure. That is a big cultural difference with Australia. When you come to Greece, and I came to Greece, every single child had to be educated. Everybody had to learn at least two foreign languages. So, you know, you were hearing this and you go, great, I love this. You know, they might not have libraries. We might not have everything in our hands. Uh, we don't have science labs but they're doing the best they can and they're pushing really hard. And for example, one of the things that, um, in, that is important here in, um, in this country, in Greece, is like, you don't get married if you don't educate yourself first. So wow. marriage is not, is like, you know, I hear sometimes in other countries where they get married so young and it's going to, so here you need to get some form of a university degree. And that is important. And, I, and I, I think that's surprising probably for a lot of people to hear. Yeah, because they were poor. People here were very poor and they realized that education is the only way to pull you out of this poverty. And they saw that. It's like you had, so there was no middle class. There was poor class and the very wealthy. And what was common with the wealthy, they were somehow educated. Um, in some form of school or they traveled. So education is one thing. The other thing that Greeks do a lot, and I think is the reason you find them in Canada so much, is we travel a lot. We go, I, I don't think if Greeks come back to Greece, they will fit, actually. The country is not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so like Greece has 10 million people, okay? Just Melbourne has a million. And if you pack them up from all over the world, it won't. But it's the same for a lot of European countries that were not so wealthy. It's the same from Croatia. It's the same for Malta. It's the same for all these countries. But I think I was mostly affected by being a child of migrants, which I carry as a badge of honor 
by the way. I'm Me very too. proud of that. Me too. Me I'm too. proud that my parents at 18 years old decided to leave Greece in the 60s and go to Australia to find a better life. Um, Australia, by the way, was welcoming back then, not like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the mentality here is like, it's, there's, um, Greeks get along very well with foreigners in general. Um, we, we tend to like them and sometimes we think they're better at it. So if you'd ask me what was the biggest help of all of this I got is my, my English. So knowing English with some form of pronunciation, so somewhere in the between, but that has helped me a lot. And, uh, my, and the mentality that anything is possible um, also is being helpful and that actually, so I work for a U.S. company, but I'm based here in Greece and this is a new thing that working remotely is something that we all should be looking into because, you know, uh, you can find people with um, uh, lower salaries probably or salaries suitable for the country they live in um, and uh, work for companies like the U.S. and find talent everywhere. So there's a lot of different things happening, and I'm really proud for living here. I would want to move. I, I really love this that. country. I love that. You know, every time I go to Croatia, I just I'm like I, I, I don't want to go back. Like there, there's something so charming, and I, I often say that, and and tell me if you agree. I say that in Europe, Europeans they work to live, and in in Canada and in the U.S., we live to work. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not American. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, I think Europe has this... So Europe has this uh, amazing history, okay? So we all sort of come from civilizations around Europe. That is really helpful in deciding um, how you lead your life and what it is you want to do. And mm-hmm. um, so when, for example, in Athens, okay, so you've got so many things to do, so many things to see. And so you need to find some spare time to actually go up the Acropolis. I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it. So we've got theater. When are you going to go to theater? Right. Which is, by the way, there's a lot of places that are free right. and happening every single day. Right. So let's say you decide that you want to do 12 plays a year. They're, they're, they're free. You can do it. And that means you need to find 12 nights of your life exactly. that you're not going to stay in or you're not going to work. I and you're going to go and see them. So I love it. I love it. Then you've got museums and you've got all the stuff. When are you going to see all that? Yeah. And then there's the, also the culture. We have the culture of um, a big difference that I found with L.A. I was shocked when I came to L.A. And I saw this amazingly beautiful weather. And I, I wanted two things. So I drive a motorcycle and I go, why isn't everybody driving a motorcycle with this weather and these fine roads, really great roads? I go, when? So I got a, I got a response that it'd be too dangerous with all these big cars around. Yes. Uh, but my second and most important question is, why don't they do the same that doing? Why don't they have faith outside, just sitting there in the sun and having a coffee and just really, really enjoying it? And, I- I, I have to say, it's it's one of the things, actually, I have found that in L.A. I'm a uh, naturalized U.S. citizen. I'm very, I, I, I thank God every day. I absolutely love it here. Uh, <laughs> L.A. is, for me, 
coming from live TV and working, you know, on a live network 24-7, then coming to LA, starting my own business. It I I have to tell you, for me, I feel like I have a little bit of the best of both worlds. I live okay. to work because I love my work, but at the same time, I find that quality of life here, you can stop. There are things to do. We were talking about the traffic. Like I'm never mad at traffic because I'm looking at these gorgeous <laughs> palm trees and water and weather, and I really love love it I feel like I've gotten the best of both worlds here but a motorcycle girl that's something <laughs> well the weather permits it here so it yeah. rains only 30 days a, uh, a year so yes. why not and with and the streets just, and everything it's easier right it's easier to get around it is it is, it is this, we have a lot of traffic in Athens but it is uh it's easier but it's not that dangerous I don't know how people perceive it uh, I've been driving for around 30 years now and uh, I, I love motorcycle and it gives you a lot of freedom. It does. It does. So I have to tell you, one of the things just from chatting with you, you do strike me as kind of fearless, fearless in the standpoint. And, and I could be reading you wrong, Vicki, but it's sort of very matter of fact. Well, yes, you just educate yourself and you start to move forward and you find new things and nothing's really a failure. My, my goal, part of the goal with Good Girl Mafia is to encourage and empower women to be the best version of themselves, which requires facing fears, taking risks. If you had to encourage a woman to do that, what would you say to her? If you had to encourage a woman to go out and just just do it. Just follow your heart. Go after it. What would you say to her? I'll tell you a story that I once heard, and I think it was so. There was a we were we were out on a dinner, and there was about I think there was twelve men and two women, me and a, another lady. Um, so one of the gentlemen he said, "Why don't women create startups? Why don't they easily start startups as do boys, as do men?" And he had an explanation which sort of, for me, made sense. He says, uh, while men are risk takers, women are not. Women, like, they create a nest. They create a house, a home. Um, that's why they want, they want children. They want a husband. And this is what kind of thing they long for. Um, but men, you know, they're risk takers, they don't care. And if actually they have a wife at home to take care of the rest, it's great. So I think he was right. I don't say it's for all women, uh, but it really sort of helped me listen to him frame things. So it's like, in the end, what is it? What do you want to do? So if you want to get married, have your children, have a husband and not worry about other things, worry just about the things, obviously this is not easy. I'm not saying it is easy, growing, having children, growing them up. But if this is what you want, go for it. But if you wanna do something else, you should also go for that. And so what? What if you fail? Okay, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying, no, I am actually saying quit your job and do something new. I love but, it. Yeah, but like if you're in a country like the U.S. where there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of ways to change, um, U.S., for example, is one of those countries that people tended to move easily. So they would leave one state, go to the other. And also it's a country that people tend to educate themselves when they're getting out of a job and going to a new job. Something, by the way, that does not happen in Europe very easily. People tend to... Uh, relate education to when they're young. They would very 
where it's very hard for them to re-educate themselves in something new. So I think people who live in the U.S. have that for them. It's easier to move. It's easier to to find to learn about something new. And by all means, we're living in an era of internet. We can get a lot of free knowledge online. And you can you want to become a mechanic? You can you can learn that online now. You can learn it on YouTube. Um, so decide what kind of risk you want to take. Is it small, big? But don't overthink it. Just just dive in my opinion, um, decide if you want to, you know, leave your job, decide not. But I think if you make a change, in my life at least, every time I try to make a change, it's been difficult, but something I persisted and something always good happened. If it only was me feeling better. I can, every time I renew myself and that way I also feel young. So I don't feel stale, stuck in one place. When, for example, I divorced, I did not, not want to get married again. So I decided I did that. Let's do something new now. So we were into technology. My husband, we separated. So he took his knowledge and left. And I decided, mm, great, let me find people who think like me. So that was my first move. So when I wanted to do something new, I decided where to look up online and see where will I find like-minded people that will eventually teach me new things and possibly protect me from failure or, or issues? So one of the things somebody can do is, like let's say they want to go into artificial intelligence. Let's say we have a woman that just decides, listens to me, and wants to go into artificial intelligence. So just look up in your area and find meetups. It's called meetups.com. Go on there and find where this is happening. Um, Find events that you can actually go to and sort of see what's happening. Find people talking about it and decide what it, what attraction, what is it that you actually want to do. Learn, listen, learn before you actually dive. So I'm not, usually we say dive and you'll learn how to swim or something like that. But it's just like, go and find like-minded people like you. Uh, find events like this, like um, the one that I was with, Go Geek Dinners where it was all women and talking about technology. Yeah. And you know, find the support, yeah. build your network, yeah. find people who are in that area, start asking questions. This might take you a year or two years, mm -hmm. uh, but you will get somewhere. One, when, I, when I started to, to get into technology by myself, so I was interested in mobile, uh, what's happening around mobile application, that kind of stuff. So I decided to go to one of the biggest conferences happening here in Europe, which is the Mobile World Conference that happens in Barcelona. Uh, so I was shy to go by myself, and I convinced a friend who was into technology to come with me. But unfortunately, he was much shyer than me. He would never ask any questions. So we'd go around, we spend four days, spend our money, but... Uh, a lot of things. So next year, I decided to go by myself. I didn't say anything to him that I was going. I went by myself. And I thought, even if I ask dumb questions, they won't know me. They will forget about me. And nobody back in my country will know about it or my friends. So that's, you know, and so I went uh, for, I, I, continue, I keep on going, by the way. I, it's an event that I really love. So for about, I went there for about four or five years. 
And that actually brought Tech Talk Central and the podcast because that's where we first did it. So that was something out of the blue. I would never have thought about it, but we got a marketing activity and we said, oh, okay, let's do a web radio. Um, I learned a lot about mobile. I learned a lot about the applications. So I keep on going, obviously, now to update myself. But that's how I got into it. So I just persisted. That's amazing. But you're right. Find like-minded people. But I, I, I do believe if I was still living in Florida, I probably wouldn't be doing Good Girl Mafia. And it definitely wouldn't be the version it is today. There's something mm-hmm. about L.A. where it's very entrepreneurial, very creative. People are doing, you know, these businesses and starting these platforms. And so it you're very validated just by being around people who are like-minded and who are in the same space. You realize, oh, okay, well, I'm not that crazy. This There's many other people who are doing this. This isn't just some fantasy in my mind that I think is a great idea. So I love that advice, and it's something that has played out in my life. When As we wrap it up, Vicki, because believe it or not, an hour has almost gone by. I have so enjoyed talking to you. I really have. Me too. Um, Me too. How do you define empowerment, and, and what does it mean to you, and how do you harness it in your daily life? So I know this might sound, again, boring, repeating it, but you can gain empowerment. You can get be empowered by knowledge and educating yourself. Um, that's all I have to say. Don't, don't think about university. You don't need to go do a master's. You don't need to go back to school. Just, just read online. Uh, my advice right now actually would be something that I did in a speech I had at the European, at the European Union in a, in a, with a lot of PhDs. So I was the technology representative and these ladies, they were, they spoke four languages. They had PhDs. They were they were fascinating women around psychology, around different soft sector, let's call it. So um, I said to them, we, we Europeans tend to learn a lot of different languages. So I could see the opportunity to learn programming as a language and how much that would empower like mothers who have to stay at home and take care of the children. Women that are um, have lost their job or can't find what they want to do. So I would say this, so there's like, I'm not advertising, but it's free, Code Academy. Go to the Can Academy. There's a lot of resources online free. If you learn, if you start and you just use like four or five hours a day, you can learn to code in just about three months. And I guarantee you, at least at a junior position, you will find at some form of work, whether it be in AI, what field, you don't know. Once you do that, you will know which way you're going and how much more you need to learn in which field. Because programming, by the way, there's not one language, there's hundreds of languages. Mm -hmm. But start somewhere. It doesn't matter. You want to learn JavaScript? That allows you, learning JavaScript means you can make websites in not three months. If you learn JavaScript, you can make websites in one month. Um, so start somewhere, um, keep on learning, and you'll, I, 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 at least I feel empowered that way. Mm-hmm. So learning and learning, and, and one thing that shouldn't scare people, it's like when we're talking about technology and developers, think about this. They might know how to code, but that does not mean they know how to do the other jobs. They don't know how to do marketing, so somebody has to come and help them in that. 
but you have to speak the language. Mm -hmm. um, they don't know how to resolve issues in health. You cannot create applications for the health sector if you don't, if you're not working with a doctor, a nurse, medical staff. So everybody has something to contribute to technology. Think of it as only a tool. If you learn to speak the language, the technology language, whatever that might mean from programming, from understanding jargon, that means you can more easily get into the sector, be empowered just by knowing this and being in that sector and take yourself wherever it is you want. There's hundreds of things that can be done in this. It's like, this is the beginning. Tomorrow is gonna to be faster than today when it comes to progress in technology. So just get on board on this train uh, because it's gonna be moving faster and faster. And if you can't run as fast to get on tomorrow, you can just stay behind. So That's that is apparent. Terrific advice. It really is. And I, I don't think I, I one of the things with Good Girl Mafia is how do you define empowerment? I don't really think you do. I think that I think everyone finds empowerment in different ways. However, the baseline ground zero is to your point, knowledge educate yourself. Vicki, yes. you have been such a delight. I really appreciate you making time in your evening there in Greece. And I would love to have you back on the show again. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is really fascinating. And I'm happy I found somebody from <laughs> who has traveled as much as me and has a similar background and understands immigration what what it means i'm really really i'm always happy when i find that oh I'm always... vicky i'm i'm it was so nice having you and i feel like i'm with one of my girlfriends i grew up with right because we all grew up with the greeks the croatians the italians we're all together we're all together vicky thank you so much and i will have you back again soon i'm going to keep up with you okay okay thank you Thanks. this was great thank, thank you bye-bye you. And that was it with Vicky. I'm, I'm so excited that she was able to join us here today on the Good Girl Mafia's Monday Moment in Five podcast. Um, if you would like me to interview a certain someone or if you would like me to do a podcast on a certain topic, please reach out to me. You can DM me at Good Girl Mafia or at Diana Perkovic. You can always contact me through the website www.goodgirlmafia.com and be on the lookout for the G new GGM TV video from Cancun, Mexico that will be coming out in the next week or so. Until next Monday, have a fantastic week, guys. I'll see you back here next week. Yeah.